Thank you for that, Mackenzie. I love what our church is doing in the community, even in the midst of this pandemic. And uh, I love that uh, every week we get an update on what God is doing. And uh, we always wanna have a special time of prayer for all of the various ministries of our church. And, and I just wanna say to all of you, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for how you are ministering, even in creative ways during this very unusual time. And uh, so I do wanna pray for our morning offering. Um, also just wanna remind everyone, the way that we are giving now is, is through this time of pandemic is a little unusual. If you have a offering that you would like to give this morning, you can drop that in the bucket on your way out. Uh, or an easy way to give is councilroad.church slash give, uh, or you can just text message your gift at 4052-652-0607. And uh, so thank you for your faithfulness uh, during all of this time. Our church is staying strong and it, it, it's really inspiring how our church is coming together. And welcome to all of you who are watching uh, on Facebook. I, I know that uh, we have some tef technical difficulties this morning, but that live feed is definitely, that, that feed is definitely going to come up on Facebook eventually. And so we want to welcome all of you who are watching on, uh, on the live feed. Uh, most of our church these days, um, it seems like, is watching online uh, during this time when most people are trying to stay safe. And that's understandable. Uh, I am so excited about. Um, this morning's message. Uh, Pastor Rodney Payne is coming to teach and haven't you already enjoyed the joint worship that we've had with Bethlehem Stars worship team? And, and, and Pastor Rodney, all I've got to say about that is more of that kind of thing. That was really special. And uh, so we look forward to our continuing relationship with Bethlehem Star Baptist Church. And so as I pray for us this morning, I wanna invite Pastor Rodney to come to the stage so I can pray for him and Bethlehem Star Baptist Church. Welcome Pastor Rodney Payne this morning. <laughs> Pastor Rodney and I have known each other for a little over four years now. And, and uh, we have been very intentional in our friendship over the past several months, especially. Um, and uh, you already know him. He's already been on the stage with me. Um, after our last gathering, uh, when Pastor Rodney and I taught, um, after the service, several church members said, you just need to let Pastor Rodney preach. <laughs> and so, and uh, so I promised we would do that. And, and, uh, and so I'm glad that you're here, brother. And uh, so let me pray for you, pray for Bethlehem Star, pray for our work in this city. Lord God, I thank you so much for Pastor Rodney. I thank you for him, for his ministry. I pray that you just continue to bless him, continue to bless Bethlehem Star Baptist Church. I thank you for this relationship that our two churches have, for what a blessing it is for us and for the community. And Lord, we pray that, that you would uh, be with our two churches as we continue to reach out into our city and to bless our city. We pray that you'd strengthen this friendship, this relationship, and that you'd strengthen our work in this city. We know that you love this city, that you died for this city. And where there's brokenness, you want us to be in the middle of that, to be your hands, your feet, to be your healing, uh, to be your strength, to be your love. And so Lord, we, we're, we're so grateful for this relationship, for all that you're doing. We pray that you'd be with him now as he teaches, and all of God's people said, amen. God bless you, brother.
going to just give you a minute to love on God for just a moment. Just a moment. Just love on God for a minute. Think about how good he's been to you. How he's graced your family. How he's given you favor. In the sight of God and man. I don't think Pastor Rick and I were ready for worship to end, so we're kind of caught between worship and preaching time. Uh, just one more time, just one more time, and I'll, I'll, I'll be ready. One more time. My God. Yes, God. you all will just indulge us for just a moment. The words this go that we give you all the glory. You're worthy to be praised. And I just want to, I want a transformative experience today. I want God to move mightily in this place. And so I just want to just for just a moment, I promise I'll, I'll make it up in the air. But I want to invite you just to lift your hands as we just, we give God glory for this moment, for this season. For this season. your voices. Come on, come on, come on, come on. it's done that means it's done that means so be it that means so be it have your way God that's what that means come on come on Hallelujah. Thank you so much. We just want to give God all the glory. We just want to give God all the glory. That's what we want to do. So if you will let me pray, I promise I won't take you long. Father, we thank thee. Only you could bring us together like this. You have a plan, a perfect plan. So now, God, we simply ask that you would move according to your plan. Let thy name be glorified.
and thy people be edified. God, we confess our sin before you and ask that you forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, that you allow us to stand today and to deliver your word that might bring help, comfort, strength, redemption, and purpose today. Lord, I'm simply asking that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You are my strength. You are my redeemer. It's in the blessed name of Jesus Christ we pray. All of God's children said, thank God and amen. Amen. I greet you today in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to uh, thank our musicians, singers, staff for being here today uh, with us. Um, I need to warn you and give you a warning today that um, we, we're not meeting inside the sanctuary. So the closest I've been is in front of cars blowing horns. And so today I see people. I'm a fairly animated preacher, and I like people. I like to see people. And so if you talk to me, I'll talk back to you. Amen. All right. See, I got you. Amen. So I'm just so honored to be here on today. I'm going to do the very best I can to um, stay within my constraints and behave myself so that I get invited back. That's the goal. But I truly was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Can I, can I be transparent for just a moment? I, I asked God when praying about this, I, I said this, this opportunity, I said, God, all I want to be is authentic. I want to be who you created me to be. So I'm not trying to preach a certain way or fit a certain way. I just got to be me. And he said, okay. So at, at the earlier service, we, we practiced on them, praise the Lord. And so, so you, we went to practice, so maybe it'll be better for you. I don't know. So I just want to rest in Jeremiah chapter 29. I'm going to read um, the 10th through the 14th verses in two translations for us, and then we will jump right into our message and move right along. Um, it says in the King James Version, uh, verse 10, chapter 29, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then ye shall call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Verse 14, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Uh, Eugene Peterson, the message translation, says it like this. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I will show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. 
when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I will make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. Hallelujah. I'll bring you back from the countries into which I drove you, God's decree. Bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. Amen. Sometimes reading the Bible just makes me happy. It just does something for me because God says you can, when God says you can count on it, uh, that, that does something different to me. I want to talk to you from the subject today. And um, I'm probably going to disappoint Pastor Rick. He said I was going to teach. I hope you all get a lesson because I feel preaching today in my spirit. I just want you to know. Um, unlock the power of God. As you look at our country, the state of the United States of America, what we find right now is that we are in bad shape. Um, we have a financial crisis. We have a political crisis. We have a pandemic. Uh, you name it. We have a financial crisis. We have... Uh, People, you, it used to be that divorce was at an all-time high, and it's still very high. But now we've decided we don't even have to get divorced because we're not going to get married. We'll just get, get together, and then we'll just separate. And so the family is, is, is being torn apart at every level. Poverty is at an all-time high. Our country seems to have lost her first love, Jesus Christ. Our money says, in God we trust. But it seems like we trust in everything but God at this point. But I want you to know today that God's power is pure. And let me just take a moment and take us back. I know you're studying the book of Jeremiah, and this Jeremiah, you know, he was called, before he was called to be a prophet of the Lord, he was actually a priest. Um, he literally saw the downfall of Judah and Jerusalem. He was, he had a front row seat. If we were to say it today, he had like a 4K television looking at what's fold, unfolding before his eyes. And as a result, uh, he, he saw uh, what God did to the people as he was a prophet of the Lord. So he's the one that had to give the message of what the Lord said. If you go back and start in about chapter 25, the message gets really, really ugly. It's a painful process to listen to what God is saying to his people because the people were so hard-hearted that God had decided, I'm done with you. I'm going to put you in a place and this is going to be where it's going to be. I, I recall Habakkuk complaining to God, uh, the other minor prophet, he's complaining to God and says, how long are you going to let this go on? And he says, I've got a plan. Don't you worry about it. And he, and he tells them that he, they're going into captivity. He explains that, but he says, listen, write the vision and make it plain because there's going to be a remnant, but I'm, I'm going to have to do some things. And so then that wonderful King Nebuchadnezzar, you know him, the, the one who he comes into power about this time. And as he comes into power, uh, he's got this reign and he is dominant and he is wonderful. Uh, but he gets beside himself and his reign ends with him eating grass like a cow with feathers like a bird. I don't know what that must have looked like, but he was in bad shape. The same guy who puts him in exile. What am I saying? Uh, chapter 29 is, is really basically some letters that were sent between Jerusalem and Babylon. See, Jeremiah had received uh, information that false prophets there in Babylon were telling the exiles that they would be returning home soon. The exiles made really no effort to repent. Uh, God has a problem with sin. He has a bigger problem with a failure to repent. And so when you refuse to repent, what you ultimately do is you bring the judgment of God upon yourself. Now, Jeremiah, you know, he was very emotional. He was very passionate, and he's looking at this thing in 4K. So he himself is, is known as the weeping prophet because he cried on 
on behalf of the, of the exiles. See, he wanted them to get back home. So, so he was really disturbed by what he had to tell them. But when God tells you to tell somebody something, it doesn't matter how bad it hurts you. You have to tell them what he tells you to tell them. And so ultimately, uh, he is telling them at this time in chapter 29, as soon as the 70 years is up, as soon as it's over, oh, I'm going to come get you. That, that, that's that's the, really the end of the message, and I'm going to try to walk us through it, but that's where we're going on today. So, so um, I, I want to talk about for just a moment that he talks about in here, if you come together and pray. So I want you to think about this. Uh, as God is working with us as churches and coming together, he's talking about us coming together. So the significance of the, of the focus here to unlock the power of God, if you can get this and nothing else I say, is that we must come together as the people of God and pray. We have to pray and praying together to the same God for the same thing. So as, as I look at the text, chapter 10 says this, uh, verse 10 says this, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Uh, the first thing I see is that this is a prepositioned promise pre-positioned promise. So the promise is in place beforehand. The promise is in place before we get started. But he, so there's some things that you have to understand about God and his promises. When God promises you something, the answers in him are yes and amen. However, a promise does not divert the process. See, sometimes you have to go through some stuff, but God makes the promise beforehand. What are you saying? I'm saying that he makes this promise while they're in captivity. He makes this promise while they're in slavery. He makes this promise while they're in bondage for 70 years. And so even though God has given you a promise, I want somebody to know today that, that you will have to suffer. As a believer in Christ, you're going to suffer some things, but I've got good news for you. If you'll just say amen one time for me, it's going to help me right here. You ready? Understand, suffering is seasonal. See, suffering is seasonal. Suffering is not something that God will allow us to endure forever. It only lasts for a season. If you go back and look at the wonderful story of Job, Job lost everything. He had conversations with God. He contemplated with God, but he never was willing to curse God. And we always talk about everything that, uh, the, that Job suffered. We talk about, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But we seem to forget that everything the devil stole from Job, God gave it back on the other side. So even though he has suffered, uh, how does Peter say it? After you have suffered a while, the Lord will establish you, settle you, and strengthen you. So we must understand that suffering is seasonal, but we're going to have to suffer. See, the exiles were suffering at the hands of the Babylonians, but that had a time limit. It was 70 years. When God puts us in a situation because of our own doing, aren't you glad that your suffering has an expiration date? Aren't you glad that just like you change from summer to, to winter, from fall to fall to winter to winter to spring, that just like that, your seasons will change. See, the suffering season is going to end after 70 years for, for those uh, in Jerusalem and those uh, in Judah. And so what I'm saying is when you're going through something in your life, and we can make it personal for a moment, it won't always be like this. Anybody ever had to go through some trials and tribulations? Perhaps you uh, know a family member who was diagnosed with cancer and had to go through chemotherapy but came through on the other side. There was a suffering season. Perhaps you had a child who didn't do everything you wanted them to do. They lost their mind for a few years. They were called teen years, and they, they came back later in life. It was a suffering season. Has anybody ever had a suffering season? Maybe before you got the three or four cars you have now in the nice big house in the garage, perhaps you had to suffer with a car that you had to pray it would start. I need a witness here. See, suffering has time limits, and, and it won't always be like this. So 
Even though we look at this racial tension and we look at what's going on in our community, I dropped by to tell you, Council Road, it won't always be like this. Even though we look at the news and we get disgusted, it won't always be like this because in the midst of watching your local news, you can find two pastors, one from the east, one from the west, one from a black community, one from a white community, coming together to tell the devil that it won't always be like this. We won't always be separate. We're going to come together in spite of what you're doing. I know you're trying to tear us down. Oh, my goodness. But understand. And suffering has a time limit. You don't have to keep going through what you're going through. I need somebody to just say, I can't say it out loud to you, but you know you're going through something right now. And you're wondering, how long will I fight this battle? Even though God has not declared to you a time limit, please know that your suffering has an expiration date. It won't always be like this. I feel like preaching. Let me move on a little bit. I'm sorry. Uh, suffering is seasonal. But, but the beauty behind suffering is seasonal. If you watch this verse, in this 10th verse, he says, in causing you to return to this place. Now, this place that Jeremiah is writing from is the place that they were exiled from. It's the place where they had authority. It's the place where they were God's favored people. It was a place where they had plenty. It was a place where they decided to turn their back on God. But in that place was all of their favor. So what happens is God tells you this promise is prepositioned. Why? Because God is a promise keeper. What does that tell us? It doesn't matter what I'm going through. The promises of God in him are yes and amen. And what that means is that it won't always be like this because God is my promise keeper. What does that mean? It means if you'll read through the word of God, there are some promises that God makes. And those promises God makes, he always comes through. Aren't you glad that God is not like the person that you loaned $100 five years ago and they still haven't paid you back and keep coming back asking for money? They, they promised to pay you, but they never pay you. God pays off everything he promises every time. That ought to give a Christian some hope to know that it won't always be like this because the God that I serve is a promise keeper. He promises to return. He says, I'm going to bring you back to a former place. Understand that the former place was the presence of God. He's going to bring them back. Have you ever found yourself slipping away from God and moving away from God? I drop by to tell you that God is going to bring you back to a familiar place where you know him and where you're in his bosom, where he can bless you and care for you like he wants to. I need somebody to understand that just because you haven't been familiar with the blessings of God, he's going to take you back. Some of us have suffered our entire lives and don't know what it's like to be where God wants you to be. But understand, God does not require you to be familiar with the place before he'll deliver you to the place. Oh, my goodness. I need somebody. Have you ever gone on vacation to a destination you've never been before? But but you, you, you got your plane ticket, and then you, you got on the plane, and then you landed, and then you, you, you rented your car, and you got your GPS. Now, you had seen pictures, and you had heard they had promised you in the advertisement what it was going to be like. But then you actually got there. You, you, you followed the steps of the GPS. You didn't know what you were seeing on the road. I, I need somebody who's traveled out of the country to perhaps Jamaica. If you leave the airport, it does not look like the pictures. When you go to the vehicle, it's not like transportation, ground transportation in the U.S. I, I, somebody's been. And, and they put you in this little van, and it's like, oh, my goodness. See, but I, I saw a picture of where they were going to take me. But when I got in the van, I got nervous. And they took me along these winding roads, and there's no stop signs, and, and people are driving, and the, and the van's sliding from one side to the other. But I was along for the ride. So the ride was not fun at all. 
As a matter of fact, the ride caused me some fear, to be honest with you, as I was going through there. And so I, I felt like I had been uh, set up. I felt like I had been hoodwinked. I, I felt like I had been led astray because I know what they promised me. But, but through these crooks and turns on these back roads and watching all these places and these poor places that we're going through, at the end of the day, I know what I paid for and I know what I expected. And I drove up and I thought, I, I thought they welcomed me to Fantasy Island. The big gate opened up and I came in and there were people with fans and green grass and everything. What are you trying to say? Well, what I'm trying to tell you is that your life may be like the road from the airport in Jamaica to the resort in Jamaica. It, it may not look like what you think it's going to be, but I promise you if God, the promise keeper, has said you're going to have an island experience, when you get to where God is taking you, you'll see exactly what God promised you. Aren't you glad that God is a promise keeper? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. See, I, I had never been there before. I, I had never been to an all-inclusive resort. I'm used to going and having to tip people, and, and, ha and so you prepare, and how much do you tip, and what's proper. And you, uh, My daddy always told me as a boy, whenever you go somewhere you've never been, he said, act like you've been there before. It, he said, if you can't play golf, dress like you can. He says, if you can't preach, dress like you can. Well, I... I decided to dress like I could just in case I couldn't, right? So, so, so what I'm trying to tell you is that you haven't seen what God wants to do in your life. I've got to move on, but I feel something going on. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither hath in the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. God has a promise to redeem your family. God has a promise to bless you. God has a promise to promote you. God has a promise to give you help. God has a promise in your life. All you have to do is understand that sometimes before you get where you're going, you may have to go through a suffering season. Amen. Se secondly, uh, verse 11, it kind of breaks out. It says, for I know the thoughts. Now, let me give you a disclaimer here. This verse, I, I never preach this verse within the context of other texts. This, 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 I don't go, this is a one-verse sermon right here. Matter of fact, this, this verse might be three sermons. So that's my disclaimer. Although I understand my time limit, so I'm going to leave a lot of meat on the bone. But I want you to know there's something about when I even read this, I get excited. So I'm going to try to hold myself together to at least get you the point proper. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. See, what that tells me is God has a preconditioned plan in place for my life. M meaning that, that it's preconditioned, meaning there are some conditions that have to happen before the plan fully unfolds in my favor. So, so, so what, that, what that tells me is that, that what God is dealing with is he has a plan to bless me. He has a plan to return me to where he wants me to be. However, I have not cooperated in my living. See, Jeremiah says they were hard-hearted. They wouldn't repent. They wouldn't stop sinning. They kept doing that. So, you know, when you do your thing the way you want to do it, sometimes you delay what God has already in store for you. I need somebody who promised to take your child to get some ice cream. You're going to take them to McDonald's, and you promise they can have the Happy Meal, and they're going to get dessert today. But they just won't act right. Anybody, I, I, I tried, I, I try, I'm trying to be nice to you. I really am. I've asked you, I've, I've asked you, little Johnny, come on now, work with me. I got something. But you can't tell them what you have promised for them because you really want them to behave because you asked them to, not because you promised to get them something. 
See, see, some of us, when we're in trouble, we act better before God. But when everything is good, we forget to love on God. See, we, 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 let me move on. I, 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 I'm trying, I told y'all this is a whole series on this verse. So, so, so what, what, what we're dealing with here is what I'm calling a pre-existing condition. Yet, yet God has a preconditioned plan in place knowing that you have a pre-existing condition. Have you ever tried to change insurance in the middle of a treatment plan? You don't, you don't want to get pregnant and then change insurance. Because your pregnancy is a pre-existing condition. So the old insurance is going to say you off. The new insurance is going to say, well, we didn't know you then. That had nothing to do with us. We weren't there 30 weeks ago. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to. So, so your pre-existing condition limits what they'll do for you. Oh, come on, Holy Ghost. My goodness. See, see, sometimes when you have situations going on in your life, it can limit what God wants to do for you. See, many of us are not as blessed as we need to be or deserve to be or as God desires to bless us because of pre-existing conditions. See, some of us have some hardness in our heart that we didn't even know was there because we are not the ones that deposited it. We learned something that somebody else taught us and now we're trying to work our way out of it y'all ain't gonna talk to me but i want you to understand that's what happens this pre-existing condition is is for the for the for judah and jerusalem is is, is they had significant problems with their past i, I want to know if you had to stand before god today and you had to own everything in your past how many of us would get into heaven don't raise your hand i'm just talking so you can uh, yeah how many of us have a rap sheet with the lord i mean we we've sinned against god so many times we are thankful for his grace why do you praise him so hard pastor well because you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. What am I trying to tell you? I'm simply saying that I've been through so many things in my life, but the God that I serve, he never left me. He never forsaken me. He'd always redeemed me. And for that, I open up my mouth and give him praise. Why are you so demonstrative? Because I was demonstrative for the devil. And now I'm on the Lord's side. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to give the devil as much. And I'm going to give the Lord glory. Amen. Let's, let's, amen. Praise God. See, see, see you got you to understand, they had sinned. They had disobeyed God, and they were unwilling to repent. They were unwilling to repent. Do you know you're responsible for sins you didn't even know you committed? Yes, that's why I often pray 1 John 1 and 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I have to repent regularly in case I got some, I need a covering. I, anybody have a, you know how you have automobile insurance and then you have uh, homeowner's insurance and, and then you have life insurance and then some people, uh, where are my blanket policy people? Anybody got those? I, see, I, I have a blanket policy. That, that goes above and beyond. So if I tear up your car, my, my car insurance pays for it. If something happened to my house, my homeowners, if I do something to you today, there's a blanket policy covering me. What, that's what God does. God is trying to cover everything. And if you'll simply repent before him, he'll give you exactly what you need. What am I trying to say? See, they were separated from God as a result of what they had done. Oh, but understand, they were covered by a God plan. Oh, my goodness. They were covered by a God plan. See, their peace was a part of the plan. Their peace was a part of the plan. But suffering came first. Yeah, yeah. The, the peace was always on the table. But suffering had to come first. See, sometimes you don't appreciate something. If you don't suffer a little bit. See, I, I, I grew up in a time where in order to get a car, 
as a high school student, you had to go to work. And Hardy's just didn't pay that well. But they did pay well enough for me to buy an $800 Sunbird, five-speed, manual transmission. I bet most of you can't even drive. That's a stick shift. It's where you have to shift the gear with the clutch. I'm trying to help my young people. They don't understand what that is. Yeah, that, that, that was the only way I could get somewhere. And after I burned the clutch out three times, it was cool. You know, so, so this, this Sunbird, it was, it was kind of reddish in color. Um, I mean, with oxidized paint and all, it, it would look kind of red. But it was important to me that, that I, I, because of my car. So I went to the car wash with my little oxidized car. I didn't dare wax it. It would have went back to the prime. It would have been nothing but gray car. So, so I, I washed it. I took care of it because it was my car. And, and I had to work to get it. I was proud of my car. And I would drive it. And just listen, and burn the clutches out. You know, how many know that a five-speed will run without fifth gear? How, how many know a five-speed will run without first gear? <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's, it's tricky, but, but you can make it work. I, I had a car that had, it was a five-speed. I had burned the clutch so bad that it only ran in second and fourth gear. So as a result, when it came time for my beautiful daughters to get cars, I, I, they, they were going to have it better than me. They were not going to suffer like I did. So I bought them a car, too. I just had to, I happened to buy it for their mother 10 years previous. And so it was a, a, a little green Nissan Sentra with a 1.8 rubber band for a motor. And the paint was oxidized on it. And, and, I, and I always made sure that I gave them just not enough money to have enough for gas and lunch. Why do that? Because I want them to suffer. Why would you want them to suffer? Because I want them to appreciate life. So I made them suffer, and they thought they were, I mean, now we kept the cupboard full, so you could go in and pack your lunch. You could have lunch for two or three days. You could have leftovers. I mean, there was ways to make ends meet, but I wanted them to figure out how to make ends meet. I want you to know when they moved out of my house, they went and bought not brand new cars because they wanted somebody else to take the depreciation because they learned how to appreciate things. But they bought real new cars. They got real nice cars. They bought houses, but they had to suffer. See, sometimes if you don't suffer first, you don't appreciate what God gives you. <laughs> see, see, sometimes you, you, suffering has to come first. But, but what I'm trying to tell you is, is my, my daughters will tell me today they were mad at me. Daddy was hard on us, man. He didn't give us but enough money. We had to, well, there was, it was a method to my madness. They're married now, so I can say this easily. Uh, the goal was to make sure that you didn't ride anybody around in my vehicle, especially uh, a nasty, dirty boy. If they didn't have money, or vehicles, they couldn't ride with you. Your job is to, my job is to get you to school, to dance class, to piano lessons, and home. Entertainment is not my responsibility. You can entertain yourself with homework. And so in that, they learned how to appreciate. That's what Jeremiah says. He says, while you're in this strange land, he says, you need to build houses. You need to live there. You're going to be there 70 years. You're going to be there a minute. So I want you to take care of what God gives you, and God will give you increase in your suffering season. I wish I had somebody understood that. So sometimes you're going through some things, but God will give you increase in the middle of your suffering. That's why you can't hardly tell when a Christian is going through bad times, because even in a suffering season, the Lord will bless you. Oh, my goodness. I am running out of time. Y'all let me move on. The last thing I want to tell you, and I told the earlier crowd, African-American preacher, I'm going to close five times. I'm only on number two. 
I'm going to say this. I got one more thing. And when I say one more thing, the next time, that's three. So until I get to the one more thing, the fifth time, don't think about closing your Bibles. Okay? So, so, so it's a preposition promise. Our suffering is seasonal, but God is a promise keeper. It's a precondition planned. We had a preexisting condition of our sin, but a God plan means that he is going to uh, bless me no matter what. Don't, 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 don't let that preexisting condition stop you because when you're obedient in that season, you unlock the power of God. And then lastly, verses 12 through 14, I want to read that in the message translation. It simply says, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. This is God speaking. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. Oh, my goodness. He's turning it around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you, God's decree. Uh, bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. So the last thing I want to tell you is that it's a predetermined process. That was close number three. The last thing I want to tell you is a predetermined process. What that means is God decided that he would bless you and bring you home in advance. So it won't always be like this. Now, now, why is that so significant? Because we have to unlock God's power. Well, how do we unlock God's power in our life? Unlocking God's power is predicated on purpose. If we don't have purpose, we don't get to unlock God's power. So God's going to unlock his power in your life based on the purpose that he gave you. See, many of us are waiting for someone else to do the work when God gave everybody in this building a job. Everyone watching online, you have a purpose in Christ Jesus, and you want to unlock the power of God. You've got to ask God to reveal your purpose. We didn't understand that we'd be called upon to help a city come together, but it was part of our predetermined purpose that God decided that we would meet up four years ago and he would keep causing our paths to intersect so that we could be at a place like this at a time like this. I've got to go. I feel like that perhaps maybe one of us was Isaac and the other one was the ram in the bush. And as God was leading Abraham this way, he was leading the ram this way so that when we got to the place to make the sacrifice, God provided the ram in the bush so that we could come together. See, God is going to bring you out of your situation. So God requires us to call him, meaning together in unity. We have to come together in unity, church. What I mean. I mean that as believers in Christ Jesus, the same rules apply to every one of us. It doesn't matter what color you are, what side of the tracks you grew up on, how big your bank account, your IRA, or, or, or your, 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 your cookie, cookie jar where you keep your money. It doesn't matter how, how big or how little. We are all the same. So if I can give you something for unity real quickly, unity means we're under God's authority. Every believer is under God's authority. As a believer in Christ, we're not easily distracted. That, that means that we can't, be, we can't look at what the world's doing on the left or the right. We ought to stay focused on what God tells us. And then we have to do what we're doing today. We have to be intentionally together. Didn't you love the rainbow of colors, the rainbow of instruments, the styles, having black and white and black and white and all being one body in Christ? That's been intentional togetherness. And we've got to be trustworthy members. You've got to know that if you come to my hood, I got you. That's what we say on my side. If you come to my hood, I got you. If you come to 
my church, I'm going to protect you. And I expect you to protect me. That's trustworthy membership. And then finally, what we have to do is say yes to God's righteousness. It's only because of him that we have the ability to be together in the first place because Jesus shed his precious blood for you and for me. I'm saying God is always going to give us something to hold on to. I got to go. Is that number four? This is my last time. I promise you. Your answer is on the way. I need somebody to hold on to the hope of God. The How are we going to fix a city that's gone away? How are we going to fix a world? I promise you your answer is on the way. How are you going to get your child back? How are you going to get your family straight? I promise you the answer is on the way. God says, I will end your captivity. In other words, your suffering season is over. We came to be a part of the solution and not the problem so that our suffering season can be over. I'm done. That's my last one, number five, y'all. God says, uh, not only will God end your suffering season, but he will restore your fortune. That's right. God will bring you back to the land that he gave you in the first place. What am I trying to say as I take my seat? God is giving it back. I need somebody to give God praise because God is giving it back. He, he created us to be one people. God is giving it back. He, he already did it one time. He's already reversed the Tower of Babel. They were building a tower to God. As they were building the tower to God, they were all unified. But then they began to talk about the tower instead of God. And so God separated them, and they went 12 different ways. But then in the book of Acts, the early church's birth, and they came back from all different languages, all different places, and the church was born in unity. What am I trying to say, Council Road, is God is bringing us back together. I want to thank God for the opportunity to be in this place if I were home, I would tell y'all some other things. But I'm glad that God said it won't always be like this. You can give God praise. Why? Because we're covered by the blood. You can give God praise. Why? Because he's bringing us back together. You can give God praise. Why? Because we know that in the end, we're going to win. God is bringing you back to a land. I need about three people, not five or ten, just three that don't mind giving God some praise. He's restoring your family. He's restoring your hope. He's restoring your help. All we've got to do is pray. Pray, people of God, reaching out, accessing Yahweh, the I am God for everything related to him, and he will bring us back. He will bless us. We are better together.